Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Informed Catholic Podcast. My name is Ned Jabbar, so let's open up with a prayer, please. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. The Apostles' Creed, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, our Lord, who, by the Holy Ghost, was conceived, born of the Virgin Mary, raised, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he arose again from the dead, and he ascended unto heaven, and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Holy Mary, Mother of God, Queen of the Rosary, pray for us. St. Joseph, Guardian of the Holy Church, pray for us. St. Thomas Aquinas, pray for us. St. Thomas More, pray for us. And St. Michael the Archangel, defend us from evil. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. So, for this episode of The Informed Catholic, we're going to read from St. Matthew's Gospel, uh, chapter 4. So, let's start. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And he fasted forty days and forty nights. And afterwards he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will give his angels charge of you. On their hands they will bear you up least you strike your foot against a stone. Then he said to him again, It is written, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And he said to him, All these I will give you, if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So I felt it was a little bit more appropriate to read that. I, that's not the reading for... Uh, Ash Wednesday Lent, but I think we should remember that um, we're supposed to resist temptations to sin. And I think uh, I was trying to figure out if I should do like the origin of Lent, but I think that's unnecessary because a lot of us, um, I think we really need to focus on praying for the church this Lent to pray that the Holy Spirit 
will purify the church. We have to remember that, um, I wish I could remember the Pope's name who said that all the evils of the world is because of bad Catholics. And I think that's what's important. I'm doing this before Ash Wednesday. I will do an Ash Wednesday uh, podcast. Um, I'm going to focus on the... um, We're going to use for our meditation uh, The Sadness of Christ by St. Thomas More. So we're going to focus on that for our meditation. And also I'm going to try to do a little bit reading from the Dolores Passion by Anne Emmerich. And we'll try to do a little bit um, from other sources to focus on our journey with Christ to the cross, to the passion. We really need to pray because we got some serious problems going on within the Catholic Church. I was listening to an episode by uh, Michael Voris on uh, Church Militant. And it was, uh, you know, the Pew Research does a little Pew Research um like they ask people about their religion, like, do you think your faith is the one true faith? And Jehovah Witnesses came out a little higher. Mormons came out a little higher. Catholics uh, actually uh, rated 17%. And then 8% uh, didn't believe that Christianity is the only religion that can lead you to salvation. So, of Catholics came down actually that low that many, that, that, that many, that's how many people did not believe. I mean, those, those are only one 70% believed that their religion was the one true faith. The rest, not so, not at all. And this is the result of Political correctness within the church, political correctness within the bishops, the clergy. If the people don't believe, you have to go to the source, to the heart of it, the head of it. And that's the result of the bishops. John, St. John Chrysostom said that more bishops go to hell because of sin, because of lack of faith. And I believe St. John Chrysostom was telling the truth. St. John Chrysostom resisted a lot of, of uh, bad, bad clergy. I mean, St. Athanasius, St. Athanasius, who helped write the creed, um, he was hated and despised. The rest of the world, the rest of the bishops of the world, went ahead and embraced Arianism, the, the false teachings of Arius. Who, be- who didn't believe Jesus was God. So you have to ask yourself, if, if the church, the state of the church, it is the way it is, it has to be because of lack of supernatural faith. It's, Michael Voris is right. He's correct about this. You can see it. You can see it with them. They, they, they're afraid of following Christ. But there are some signs that things could be changing and getting better. Not right away. It's not going to happen right away because most of us will probably won't see it in our lifetime. But it's serious. It's very serious because we have a lot of people that don't know their faith. Many Catholics are probably leaving the Catholic faith 
running off, maybe, maybe not even believing in anything. I mean, the other day, not too long ago, there was a, a priest that actually dared to say that he didn't think pedophilia was as bad as abortion. You believe that? Can you imagine? I can't even picture myself thinking that way. What was he thinking when he said that? Abortion kills the life. Stops a life from coming into the world. I would be terrified if I was the one who advocated abortion, any of these Catholic politicians. But pedophilia is like vampirism, in my opinion. It's like you, you're a vampire. You're a blood-sucking vampire. You kill both the body and the soul. And not only that, you destroy faith. Where the, this victim, the, 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 the victim will lose, will lose faith and suffer psychological damage for the rest of their lives. Pedophilia to me is vampirism. That's how I see it. And if anybody says anything, if anybody are, you just, you just say that to them. A pedophile is a vampire. Simple as that. I can't believe he would actually say that. You can look it up. Go ahead and Google it and you'll find the priest's name. I, I, I'm not going to bother to mention his name because I think the shame is enough. And I think he should be removed from the priesthood for thinking the way he did, for even saying that. You know, it's hard to believe that. It's hard to believe that these guys who, who took on the priesthood get ordained. Their hands get ordained so they could say the, the you know, say communion and touch the body and blood of our Lord and soul and divinity and would use those same hands to commit sin. It's hard to believe. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. The purpose of Lent is to purify the soul, to strengthen us so that we may reflect Christ even more. The church chooses this time of the year because one, Easter is the greatest and most holy of holidays. Not that that Christmas isn't, but to understand Jesus Christ, according to Fulton Sheen, we have to, we don't understand his birth if we don't understand his death his sacrifice. The minute our Lord was born, the cross was hanging from his over his crib. He was the minute he was born, he was ready on his way to death. If you look at no most icons from the from the ancient East, from the Orthodox, you will notice that baby Jesus is wrapped up in swaddling clothes as identical as he would be, he would be wrapped up in his death uh, robes. For, you know, in the uh, set in the tomb, the image of the crib, the nativity, reflects the image of his burial. It's exactly identical. There is behind uh, the icon. You will notice, like if you ever just try to find an icon, an icon, an image, Google it. Uh, look it up, go to the library, look up uh, Orthodox Byzantine icons, and you will notice that the nativity scene is exactly identical to that of his burial. There is a hole, a black hole, which is a reflection of him being buried, a symbol of death, 
and the baby Jesus looks exactly like he, you know, he's wrapped up for death. Fulton Sheen said, we have to go to the cross. We have to understand the crucifixion. When we understand the crucifixion, when we understand the death, the death of our Lord, we, we have better understanding of what his birth was. It's one and the same. Yes, unto us a son is born. Unto, unto us a king is given. And he is also, remember what John the Baptist said, the minute he saw Jesus appear at the, the Jordan River, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He knew that Jesus would, who he was, he was going to be the sacrifice that will save the whole world. For us to be his followers, to be members of his mystical body, for us who receive him in holy communion, who receive his body and blood and soul divinity, we are, we are partakers of, of this passion. Our job is to pray for the world. When we fast, we don't just fast for ourselves. We fast for the, for the salvation of the world. And we have to, we fast. So also we, in a sense, we're performing an exorcism. There is so much evil in, in the world today. There is so much evil. I don't know if you've noticed, but on the news, there's this talk about a plague coming out that's come out of China called the coronavirus. Now, I don't know if this is part of the great chastisement, but remember the Chinese were daring, were coming down on our, our brothers and sisters in China who are being persecuted. All right. They're daring to rewrite the Bible, the scriptures. They have a counterfeit church. A state, a church that really is an agent of the, uh, a church as an agent of the state. They have torn down churches, destroyed Marian shrines, ripped up tabernacles, pillaged churches, robbed churches. They have imprisoned priests. There's a, a picture I have showing this woman. Uh, I get from I had I got from an, uh, an online um, social network where they showed a woman tortured to death because she's a Christian. Now, it, often God sends plagues in the world as punishment, as chastisement, but they they threaten. They're they're talking about rewriting the Bible. They're talking about rewriting the whole service of the church. This is. The dragon, if you ever looked at the image of St. George slaying the dragon, the image of St. George is the image of the believer who has to fight, fight the, 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 the serpent, fight the dragon. The dragon is a symbol of Lucifer and his power on earth through governments and empires. Remember what I just read in the, uh, the temptation scene. He tempted our Lord, dared to tempt our Lord. All this I will give to you if you would fall down and worship me. You know, the devil's no different 
than most than most uh, ordinary men who lust after power. They put their faith in this world. Empires have come and empires have gone, but the word of God stands forever. We as Catholics have to remember that. We have to remember that. I'll read some of the um, the uh, uh, readings that will be for Ash Wednesday. Um, it's going to be from Joel, chapter 2, verse 12 to 18. Even now, says the Lord, return to me with your whole heart, with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Rend your hearts, not your garments, and return to the Lord your God. For gracious and merciful is he, slow to anger, rich in kindness, and relenting in punishment. Perhaps he will again relent and leave behind a blessing, offerings and libations for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, proclaim a fast, call an assembly, gather the people, notify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and the infants at the breast. Let the bridegroom quit his room and the bride her chamber. Between the porch and the altar, let the priests and the ministers of the Lord weep and say, Spare, O Lord, your people, and make not your heritage a reproach with the nations ruling over them. Why should they say among the, peop the peoples, Where is their God? Then the Lord was stirred to concern for his land and took pity on his people. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A reading from Matthew's Gospel. Chapter 6, Jesus said to his disciples, Take care not to perform righteous deeds in order that people may see them. Otherwise, you will have no recompense from your heavenly Father. When you give alms, do not blow a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets to win the praise of others. Amen, I say to you, they will receive their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your almsgiving may be secret, and your Father who sees in secret will repay you. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites who love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, so that others may see them. Amen, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go to your inner room, close the door, and pray to your Father who in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will repay you. When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. They neglect their appearance so that they may appear to others to be fasting. Amen, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, so that you may not appear to be fasting except to your Father who is hidden, and your Father who sees what is hidden will repay you. Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I have no problem with these readings, but I do believe that we have to, um, we have to really take seriously that we have to pray. The Pope needs our prayers. All right. I, I said it before. I struggle with Pope Francis because he says so many things that are confusing. Um, I'm deeply bothered by someone like Father James Martin, who goes around um, obsessively with with this homosexuality, uh, talking about saying things that contradict church teaching. 
um, the church is meant to save souls, lead souls to heaven. That's the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is to teach you that your destiny is to go to heaven. And yet, a lot of people have wanted to turn the church into a theme park. I mean, I was looking at this uh, L.A. thing that they have every year. And you see people dancing around the altar like some kind of pagan Roman ritual. You get people doing these, these what they want to call liturgical dances. That's not the church. That's not the church. We're not an entertainment institution. We're a liturgical inst uh, institution. What, what's a, what happened to a liturgy, a good, decent liturgy? What happened to Gregorian chant? Why do they always want to try these new ridiculous things as though they think is going to attract the young people? The church should not reflect the world. The church is something that's countercultural to the world. And you have these priests and these bishops trying everything except what has been handed down to us. Our duty, we have to pray. We have to make it our duty for this Lent. To pray, that, to pray for the church, to pray for the clergy, to pray for the Pope, to pray for fellow Catholics, especially those who have been abused, sexual abuse, like I mentioned earlier. Pray for more holy people, for more holy shepherds, more holy priests. We have to do that. I mean, we have to look at it. It's war. We're at war. We're always at war. We can't pretend, we can't be traditionalists hiding in our own little private corner and attending a Trinitine Mass and think that's all that it is. No, our duty is to pray for the world. You know, use your rosary, pray for purification, pray. We have to fast. We have to, I mean, I know a lot of us have work to do and we can you know, we have to figure it out. How do we, how do we do it? Especially if someone will suffer from bad health. There's a lot of ways we can do this. I mean, you could give up watching movies, give up TV. Um, if you can't fast physically because you have a health problem. Um, the traditional method of fasting was to 3 p.m. in the afternoon. So there's a lot of, a lot of people, uh, Dr. Taylor Marshall said that originally the church, you would not eat anything all day long. If you have to have water, I think some people may have to have water because of health and then fast all the way to 3 PM in the afternoon. That's not the, that's not the mandate anymore within the church, but let's face it. I mean, giving up candy and chocolate and, you know, giving up that donut or giving up that, uh, soda is not exactly the biggest fasting in the world, even though the church has changed its mandate and laws, but still it doesn't say you can't offer up a little bit more, but we also have to pray. That's another important thing. We have to pray. Um, I would suggest get yourself well, a small pocket Bible. Um, Order a New Testament with Psalms. Carry it with you. You know, say a morning, say a morning reading, say a daytime reading, say an evening reading. Pray, you know, pray. 
Say a rosary if you can. A decade here, a decade there. But remember, put the remember the church. Remember the problems within the church. And remember, we as Catholics have a duty to pray. Don't just say you're going to pray for somebody. Pray for that person. Remember them in your prayers. Pray for somebody that didn't even ask you to pray for them. Pray for the conversion of a soul. Pray for a priest. Pray pray for the whole church. Pray for the Pope. Remember the Pope and pray. Ask God to open his eyes. Ask God to ask God to send the Holy Spirit to him to guide him in the right path. Pray that he would have good advisors. Good men that would advise him correctly and properly. Pray because we really do need to start praying. Pray for, you know, for for a politician, a Catholic politician who is on the wrong. You know, the biggest problem is, you know, we don't pray. And I think it's a serious, serious issue. We have to remember we are Christians. We're Catholics. And Michael Voris is right when he said that we are made for battle. Let's do battle. Let's battle sin. Let's pray for the restoration of the church. Let's pray for the bishops that they can finally decide to go back to the things that actually work. Preach against sin. Preach against evil. Stop putting your hand out to the state for money. All right? Remember, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and what is God belongs to God. We don't need the state. Pray for our brothers and sisters in China who are being persecuted. Pray for our brothers and sisters in the Middle East who are being persecuted. Pray for Christians who have been abused by priests, molested and, and, and destroyed. All right? Pray for them. Pray for better priests. Pray for good shepherds. Let's make this Lent really worth something. Let's really please God. Let's really carry, carry the cross. And let's walk on the straight and narrow way. All right. God bless you, everyone. God bless you.